Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God help us. God help the, you know, just the delusional thinking of, of people. And, and, and then you've got, of course, the ambition on the part of those delusional people to get into places of power so they can implement their delusional vision and bring everybody underneath it. And that's where life gets really, um, can get really frightening. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Jeremiah chapters 41 through 45. Now here's Pastor Brian. Manasseh was judged by God. He was carried away captive to Assyria and he turned back to the Lord. And then God delivered him and sent him back to Jerusalem, but the damage had already been done. And even though he tried to bring reforms, and even so, though his son Josiah had attempted to bring reforms, the people were still deeply entrenched in the idolatry. And so, but listen to what they say. They, they say this, when we offered to the queen of heaven, we had plenty of food. We were well off, and we didn't have any trouble. But since we stopped burning incense to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we have lacked everything and have been consumed by the sword and by famine. And the women then chimed in and they said, and when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings to her, did we make cakes for her to worship her and pour out drink offerings to her without our husband's permission? So they're just admitting, we were all in on this and we're still in on it and we're going to do it in Egypt because it's better to serve the queen of heaven because when we're serving her, everything's going okay. I mean, that in and of itself was delusional. But, I mean, what are they basically saying? They're denying that God judged Judah. They're attributing their current difficulties to the fact that they've stopped worshiping the queen of heaven. These are the consequences of us slacking off on our devotion to her. So that's how deranged these people have become. And so again, I think the, the thing about this that I think is, is fascinating and, and instructional is that we just see that people are the same from generation to generation. You know, sometimes you probably do this. I do this sometimes. I mean, sometimes you see things and you hear things and you think, how it could anybody, how could anybody think that that was right or good or normal or it should be accepted or it should be enshrined in law or, you know, how could anybody think that? Well, this is the way people who rebel against God have always thought. This is just the pattern of man in sin. And the deeper you go into sin, the darker and darker the mind becomes. And you end up, you know, not only doing things that you would have never dreamed of, but you support them, you condone them, you cheer them on, you say, yeah, this is, this is it. 
And it's not uh, a phenomena that is new that we happen to just be living with today. This is what all the preceding generations have, have also had these kinds of things. And this makes it crystal clear. So Jeremiah spoke to all the people, the men, the women, all the people who had given him that answer, saying, the incense that you burned in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, you and your fathers, your kings, your princes, and the people of the land, did not the Lord remember them? And did it not come into his mind? So the Lord could no longer bear it because of the evil of your doings and because of the abominations which you committed. Therefore, your land is a desolation, an astonishment, a curse, and without an inhabitant as it is this day. So, and again, we said this many times before, but you know, this is the cycle of nations. This happens to all of the nations. Nations have a, a season you know, a nation arises and however it comes into existence. And usually it comes into existence through the efforts of people who want to have a, you know, a decent kind of a societal experience. And so they develop a community and then it grows and expands. And, you know, in the early days, there's uh, a lot of, a lot of times it's a lot of hard work and there's no time for, idle play and and things like that. And, you know, generations learn how to kind of live like that. And, you know, life can be okay, can be tolerable, it can be decent. But then as a nation progresses, and especially as it prospers, then all, all the looseness comes in, and then the next generation comes along and they don't remember what the previous generation did to establish uh, the nation. You know, Scott and I were talking tonight about some of our young friends, you know, who are really keen on socialism and think that that could be like a super great thing, you know, for the United States. And I was just saying, you know, the, the thing is that what they don't understand is that everything they know, everything they've experienced, all the, every enjoyable thing, all of the prosperity, you know, the things that they just simply take for granted because this is life in America, all of this goes away under socialism. This never even comes to existence under socialism. You know, I went to communist countries back in the day when the communists were still in power. Pastor John Chubik lived in Hungary just post-communism, and he lived in Ukraine post-communism as well. And I remember years ago, John and I would see each other every now and again, and he would just tell me about the absolute insanity of the culture that he lived in. It was like, how does a culture, how does it even exist with that kind of insanity? And, you know, so we've had this stable, prosperous, comfortable existence And now, next generations are thinking that, well, they're not tying it to anything. I I don't even, apparently they're not even thinking about that. They're just thinking that, oh no, it's, you know, Bernie's got a good plan. And 
You know, if we, and of course, if you offer young people anything free, that's going to be attractive. <laughs> but, but nobody thinks like, well, it's really not free. Somebody has to pay for it. But anyway, that's the kind of stuff, you know, that's the kind of crazy thinking that develops in the minds of people when they detach themselves from God and then eventually detach themselves from reality. And then they're just living in a fantasy world. And then they try to live out the fantasy and the whole world falls apart. That's the history of nations. Whatever the political system happens to be, we've lived in this, you know, Marxist, this battle between um, Marxism, communism, socialism, and, um, you know, the free, the, the free market and all that. That's been the battle, right, for the past, well, since 1917, when the communists came to power in Russia and then sought to infiltrate the world with that, that ideology. And it still exists today. In, 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 you know, we had the thought that communism was over. Well, the largest country in the world is China. The most populated country in the world is China. And China is a communist country, right? Nothing's changed there. So anyway, God help us. God help the, you know, just the delusional thinking of, of people. And, and, and then you've got, of course, the ambition on the part of those delusional people to get into places of power so they can implement their delusional vision and bring everybody underneath it. And that's where life gets really, um, can get really frightening. So, so we just, as Jeremiah did, you know, Jeremiah lived through all of this insanity. And as we see, he's carried off. He's in Egypt. He, did, he never wanted to go to Egypt, but he's there. So, so verse 25, did we read that? Your wives have spoken with your mouths and fulfilled your hands, saying, we will surely keep vow, our vows that we have made to burn incense to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings to her. You will surely keep your vows and perform your vows. Jeremiah says, you're right, you will do that. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, all Judah who dwell in the land of Egypt. Behold, I have sworn by my great name, says the Lord, that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, the Lord God lives. Behold, I will watch over them for adversity and not for good. And all the men of Judah who are in the land of Egypt shall be consumed by the sword and famine until there is an end to them. Yet, verse 28, a small number who escape the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah and all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt to dwell there shall know whose words will stand, mine or theirs. Wow, that's like a, you know, God saying, really, you think so? Okay, well, we'll see. Now, um, these are... These are the last public words of Jeremiah. So everything from this point forward is looking back to another period in time when he 
was given a word from the Lord and then, you know, he communicated it. So these are the last public words of Jeremiah. Nobody knows. We have no um, record of what happened with Jeremiah. We don't know if he, um, we don't know when he died. We don't know how he died. Uh, we know nothing. Uh, some, there's a tradition that says that Jeremiah was murdered by those same Jews while he was in Egypt. I kind of doubt that myself. I think that um, verse 28 is the answer to the question. A small number who escaped the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah. So there, were, there was a small group that actually would be delivered from the destruction that would come. And undoubtedly, it would have been Jeremiah and Baruch. And they're in this group of people that were just taken, or not everybody necessarily went according to their own will. They were forced to go by Johanan. And so those would have been the ones, and they obviously would have also been faithful to the Lord and sympathetic with Jeremiah's word. They would have been the ones that would have gone back to Judah. And I think, again, I'm just speculating too, but I think that Jeremiah would probably have ended up back in Jerusalem with them. So that, as I said, that is the end of Jeremiah's public prophesying. Now, in chapter 45, which is very brief, there's a word that was given back in the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim, and it's a word to Baruch. And then when you go into chapter 46 all the way through 52, and the reason why we're going to get through everything next week is because these are basically chapters that just deal with judgment upon all of these nations. All the surrounding nations are going to come under a judgment and God's going to, he's going to speak through Jeremiah about it. The last few chapters deal with Babylon itself and the judgment of Babylon. And we'll probably spend most of our time looking at those because the judgment that Jeremiah pronounced on Babylon has yet to be fulfilled even though Babylon no longer exists. But what this opens up is the possibility that Babylon might come back into existence. And so, you know, some people think that in order for these prophecies to be fulfilled, Babylon is going to have to be rebuilt. And when the book of Revelation speaks about Babylon, it's speaking about Babylon, the actual place, the, the, the geographical location where it once did. So we'll consider some of that as we wrap up Jeremiah next week. But this, this chapter um, here is interesting in this word to Baruch. So remember, Baruch is the, he's the scribe for Jeremiah. So he's the one when we saw how Jehoiakim took the scroll Jeremiah had spoken, dictated it, Baruch wrote it out. Jehoiakim took it, cut it up with a knife, threw it in the fire. And then Jeremiah repeated it again. Baruch wrote it. So he's, he's the one who is really, you know, Jeremiah's, he's the instrument that God's using to put Jeremiah's words down in ink. So this is what it says. The word of the Lord, the word that Jeremiah, the prophet, spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, 
when he had written these words in a book at the instruction of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to you, O Baruch. You said, Woe is me now, for the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Thus you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Behold, what I have built I will break down, and what I have planted I will pluck up. That is this whole land. So Baruch is just distressed over the situation, and God's saying it's going to get worse. But he goes on, and this, um, this fifth verse is really, it's really interesting. He says this to Baruch. He says, and do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. For behold, I will bring adversity on all flesh, says the Lord, but I will give you your life as a prize in all the places wherever you go. So God gives him a word of encouragement. He comforts him. He says, Baruch, I'm going to bring a sword on all flesh, but I'm going to give you your life as a prize. In other words, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch over you and keep you. And so that's another reason why I think that Baruch and Jeremiah would have been those that went back to Jerusalem rather than being killed by those wicked men of Judah there in Egypt. But the fifth verse, and do you seek great things for yourself? So apparently at a certain point in time, now when Jehoiakim became the king after Josiah, there was still no immediate evidence that this great judgment was really going to fall. And so it could have been at this time that Baruch was thinking that he's going to have a place in the government. He's going to rise up the ranks. He's going to be part of that power structure. Perhaps that's what's going on in his mind. Something's going on in his mind where he's, he's ambitious and he's thinking about pursuing something. But the Lord says, do not seek great things for yourself because I'm going to bring a sword. In other words, Baruch, follow me, serve me, seek me, because everything else is going to, it's going to evaporate. And, you know, it's a reminder to us as well that, you know, the world and the lust of it is passing away. And we have to remember that. And so as John tells us in, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world is passing away. And the desires of it are going with it. But those who do the will of God, they abide forever. And, and that's, I think, the same message that God was giving to Baruch. Now, here's a, I think, a fascinating story from history. C.H. Spurgeon, some of you know of Charles Spurgeon. Some of you have heard him referenced. Charles Spurgeon was one of the greatest preachers of all time. I mean, he's just extraordinary preacher, used amazingly by God, converted as, as a teenager, And immediately God's hand was upon his life 
And at 17 years old, he was already a, a preaching phenomena. At the age of 21 years old, he was preaching to thousands upon thousands and thousands of people in London. He just, you know, not many like him in, in the history of the church. But he was not formally educated. He, he was a genius. He was, he was just absolutely brilliant. I mean, I have, I have 60-something volumes of his sermons at home, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sermons, and they're all amazing. And, um, but, you know, he, he was just one of these people. He was, he was, God gave him this amazing brain, and he gave him this amazing gift to proclaim the gospel. But not being formally educated, he you know, felt like he was maybe missing out on something. And so he decided that he was going to go and seek formal education. And he made an appointment and he went to meet with the, the president or the dean of the college or whoever it was. And he came in and he sat there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and the dean was there, but somehow the communication broke down and nobody ever told, you know, the dean that he was there. And it was just this thing where the meeting never came together. And he just didn't understand why that meeting didn't come together because he felt that that would be the right direction for him to go to get this formal education. And upon leaving the meeting and, you know, thinking about, Should I go back and try it again or whatever? This verse came to him. Do you seek great things for yourself? Do not seek them. And he was so convinced that that word was for him about that very thing that he never again pursued that type of a formal education. He just let it go at that point. Now, it's interesting when you think about this person, Charles Spurgeon, God had great things for him. And at the time, he didn't know the half of what God had intended for him. And there was that little bit of ambition in there that he was going to go kind of in pursuit for himself. And the Lord stopped him. And you wonder what would have happened if he would have just gone on and pursued that. Maybe he never would have had the kind of worldwide platform. You know, you have a worldwide platform in the mid to late 1800s. That's astounding. They didn't have the internet back then, as you know. (laughs) They didn't have uh, social media. They didn't have television. They didn't have radio. They didn't have any of that. But his sermons went around the world. That's the amazing gifting on him. So this is a great verse. I love this verse. So that's it. Chapter 45. And now let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. An important aspect of the Christian life is understanding that we are in a spiritual battle. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, the Apostle Paul told us in Ephesians chapter 6, but we 
are in a war against these principalities and powers, against these spiritual beings. And so I've written a book that was at one time entitled Spiritual Warfare, but in the updated version, I changed the title to The Powers of Darkness and the People of God. And I think this is such an important book. So many of us go about experiencing the what is really the attack of, of the devil, but we don't even realize that that's what's going on. So this book will inform you not only of how to detect when the enemy's at work, but also of how to combat the various schemes of the enemy to mess with us and to undermine our faith and to just basically make our lives miserable. So I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of The Powers of Darkness and The People of God. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Brian Broderson. You can order the book The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book The Powers of Darkness and the People of God by Brian Broderson. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Isaiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.